Hey there, podcast listeners. Welcome to Talking Wealth, the show where the Wealth Within team are on hand to teach you how to become a more confident, competent, and more importantly, profitable trader or investor. Wealth Within was voted number three for stock market podcasts globally in 2018, so I hope you enjoy listening. We cover topics from trading to investing, as well as wealth creation to ensure you can achieve your financial goals. Because as we always say, lifestyle matters. As a global leader in stock market education, you can fast track your journey towards financial freedom by studying with Wealth Within. If you'd like more information about our government accredited courses or to listen to more Talking Wealth podcasts, head over to wealthwithin.com.au and click on the Talking Wealth podcast under the Learning Centre. Please note that the information in this podcast should not be considered personal financial advice. Hello and welcome to Talking Wealth. I'm Dale Gillen, the Chief Analyst here at Wealth Within and uh, hopefully Everything's settling down in your world and everything's getting a bit back to normal for you. And, um, you know, I really do hope everybody's, you know, survived the coronavirus or this COVID-19, um, not only just the market, but um, in health-wise and a whole range of things um, with your family, etc. And I know it's been, a, you know, for most people, it's been a major intrusion in their life. I mean, it hasn't been such a major intrusion in my life, I mean, I pretty much work from home most of the time anyway, so it's not a big issue to me, and um, you know, I can sort of do a lot of what I want to do when I want to do it. It's just it's just stopped me from going out as much to restaurants and things like that. Um, but you know, and then obviously from the marketplace, it's just the marketplace to me. The stock market keeps ticking along, and it's just another time. Yes, it was unprecedented. Yes, it was. I've never seen it do what it did in March in my life and I've studied the US markets back to 1900 and our market back to 1875 I still haven't found anything like what happened in March it was a one out of the barrel freak event um, that was driven by something and I still haven't figured that out yet but um, there's a lot more to it than just a virus if you ask me and eventually we might find out what that is um, you know, eventually with the GFC, we found out a whole lot more than what we thought of at the time. So it'd be interesting. But uh, I'm going to keep going with my series. This series is based on the ASIC report, the Australian Securities Investment Report, titled Retail Investor Trading During COVID-19 Volatility. And again, I'll say it. I've said it on each episode. Download the report, please. Read it. Read every word of it. Look at the graphs. Go to asic.gov.au and type in retail investor trading during COVID-19 volatility report. Get it, go onto Google, whatever you do, just do it, print it out, watch it, highlight it and read it three or four times to really understand it. I'm trying to help you, the series is about you helping you understand what some of this means and bring it down to. And whilst ASIC's done a great job in writing it, I'm not saying they haven't and it's great, but sometimes people... Um, you need to have somebody explain it a little bit more to you. And like last time we talked about good to cancelled orders. So we talked a bit about um, how retail investors knew, you know, three point, I think it was 3.4 times new accounts and uh, have been opening in that period, in the period of time in, in April. You know, we've had a lot more people with dormant accounts trading again that hadn't traded in the prior, in the, in the, um, the, started trading again for all of a sudden but the good till cancelled orders was the serious not just one of the persons but the most serious thing that i'd come across um in the report in that people were using good till cancelled orders which are just seriously dangerous 
if you don't know what you're doing. And the brokers have them because it just they love it because you put a good till council order in and you get taken up. They get brokerage. Why do they care? They don't. Brokers make money where the the market's going up or down. Whether you make money or not, it's up to you. Not them. They're not necessarily. And somebody said to me a week ago. So. And I said something about brokers. And I know some great brokers, and please don't think I'm having a go at brokers because I know some very ethical brokers, some great brokers, and Australia has some wonderful brokers. But at the end of the day, it's a business. That's it. it. And business, as Donald Trump says, you know, it's just business. It's not personal. And it's the same with brokers. You're a number. That's it. You're an account. You're a number. That's all you are. And they make money from you when you buy and sell. They make it that way. So from brokerage, they also make it from holding costs and interest and things like that if you're doing specific products like, say, contracts for difference or effects, those sorts of things. So that's how they're making their money out of you. And, and as I said in the first one, if you're trading um, a product such as um, FX, futures, CFDs, um, they know that most of the money that you put in your account becomes their revenue because they know 9 out of 10 people get it wrong. It just depends on how, if you're educated, you'll be the one out of 10 but chances are that as i said it's less than 90 percent chance if you're listening to this you're in the 90 percent most likely um and i'm talking to you you're the one that's going to be giving the money to the brokers and not making much for yourself and you need to decide how much that's going to cost you because your education will cost you one way or another and for a lot of people it's costly and losses but even more so it's so much costlier in time I know so many times it's just so common for me to have somebody email through saying, oh, I've been trading for three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten years, you know, I've read books, you know, been on the surf the web, blah, 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 done a few online courses, etc., etc., and they've done it the cheap way, and one of them, or the poor way, should I say, and they've done it all of that with the with the desire to not lose, so they don't spend much money trying to learn how to do something properly. So they're doing free courses with online brokers. They're doing surfing the web for free, doing free courses on the web from all manner of different people all around the world. They're watching YouTube channels and watching these kids in baseball bats and hoodies and T-shirts and people that tell you they're, they're expert traders, telling them how to trade the market. And, you know, they're just making a heap of money out of YouTube advertising. And they don't care whether you know how to trade or not. Um... People are learning from that and they're doing that because then they don't have to pay money out in the hope of getting a good education so that they can just put all their money into trading. And I'm sure you're hearing in my voice and I'm sure you're actually thinking about yourself, well, that's that's just stupidity. That's putting that horse before the cart before the horse. Like, seriously, it's a, you don't spend any money to learn how to do it properly to go on a market that's going to take your money. Interesting. And a lot of it's all around the high leverage markets like FX, like contracts for different options, um, those sorts of things. We saw it with binary options and we saw it hugely with Bitcoin as well. But as soon as you go start Googling trading, learning to trade, you'll get bombarded with everything. And there's a lot of dubious websites, how am I saying? But anyway, so we talked about good tool cancelled orders, how dangerous they were. So now we're going to go on to the next page. So that was page seven. Good tool cancelled orders that you shouldn't do that. Um, what should you do? And to me, what you should be doing when you place an order, and this is how I place orders in my broker, is I actually put on the order good for the day. So when you look at placing your order, there'll be a little drop down. They'll default to a good tool cancel probably. 
um, because that's probably why there's a big increase in those um, and it just depends on the broker I don't know which broker you use um, I don't refer brokers if you want to ask me who I use I use Macquarie as my stock broker um, it's a pretty basic platform and this is another question people ask me what platform do you use well I use Optima as my charting software which I do all my analysis on and you see that on my YouTube channel um, it's not a cheap program you have to pay for it any professional buys the best tools and Optima is like a thousand twelve hundred fifteen hundred bucks or something I don't know um, around there but I don't care and I'm paying for data every year so sorry the data costs I don't know two three four hundred dollars a year for what but it, it's worth it if you've got good software but most people will use everything free on the web like brokers portals and I don't I, I get into broker portals and think oh it's pretty crap and I constantly seen that because it's all full of whiz bang tools that make it look like they're great but all they're doing is helping you trade more and that's really what they're designed to do to give you ideas to trade more and more and more because brokers make money by you trading more and more and more um, and that's really what they're trying to do. But again, as I started this podcast off, is there's a lot of great brokers out there that do have a lot of values and ethics. And but they're but it again, it's just a mercenary thing. They make money from you trading. So page nine of this report: Retail investors trading during COVID nineteen volatility by ASIC. Page nine um, is that section B. Now we're into the, there was section A, section B, section C. Section C is on CFD trading, but. Um, section B is potential retail investor harm in securities markets. The first thing they put in there is poor market timing. It says the average retail investor was not proficient at predicting short-term market movements over the focus period. I'll read that again. The average retail investor was not proficient at predicting short-term market movements. That means you don't get it right. Um, they've got a, a chart there and says figure five compares a daily net buying and selling activity across all retail investors with the change in price over the next day for the shares they traded. For more than two thirds of the days on which retail investors were net buyers, their share prices declined over the next day. For more than half of the days in which retail investors were net sellers, their share prices increased over the next day, which means they got it wrong. They were picking the wrong side of the market. If all retail investors held their positions for only one day, total losses would have amounted to over $230 million. It also goes on to say, while markets generally recover over a long run and tend to grow with economic fundamentals, short-term trading and poor market timing can be a major risk for investors in volatile markets. I'll say that again. Poor market timing can be a major risk for investors in volatile markets. Listen to ASIC. Therefore, retail investors should be wary of trying trying to play the market. And I would put inverted commas, gamble on the market for short-term price movements by day trading. So again, ASIC saying, therefore retail investors should be wary of trying to play the market for short-term price movements in by day trading. They're telling you, don't do it. And the people will go to me, oh, well, I know what I'm doing. I'm intelligent on this, on that. You know, I've got a, you know, I've got three degrees, you know, I'm big and strong, you know, I'm 21, you know, I'm bulletproof, etc., etc. ASIC's pretty smart. They've got the statistics to prove it, that the chances of you getting it right are pretty low. So listen to them. There's much better ways of doing it. We teach you how to trade properly. If We will teach you how to trade properly, and it's definitely not day trading. So let's move on to page 
um, 10. And page 10 talks about trading in complex and high risk products, so geared ETPs. Um, it goes over the focus period, there's been a significant increase in trading activity in ETPs, exchange traded products, which we talked about, I think, I don't know. One of the earlier ones in this one. I don't know how many have I done now. Um, an early one. It's saying gearing um, gearing magnifies the risk of these exchange traded products by increasing profits from favourable market movements, but also increases losses from unfavourable market movements. Additionally, geared exchange traded products. Remember, they were they were things such as um, um, exchange traded funds (ETFs). They were talking about that. Um, so additionally, geared ETFs are complex because they are actively managed to periodically reset the level of gearing to ensure that it remains within a specific specified range um, after large market movements. What it's saying is the people that are providing these exchange traded products re-gear things and do things because at the end of the day, they're not about losing money. They're about taking money and making money, um, not losing it. So they re-gear, redo certain things so they make more money. And they know 90% of people go long and not short. But if they see an out, a balance of that changing and everything else, they'll re-gear things so they lose less. So they're always topping and changing things. So they lose less, you don't, you make less, or you lose more and they make more. That's how it generally works. Um, as he keeps saying, geared ETPs, exchange-traded products, should not be traded by investors who do not have appetite for this risk or understand the complexity. We saw trading volumes for one geared ETP increase 16 times the normal volumes to become the second most traded exchange-traded product. Retail investors were on at least one side of 75% of turnover in this fund during the focus period. A lot of people don't know what they're doing. Um, then it goes on to oil-related securities. The global oversupply and storage issues with oil are impacting Australian financial products that are heavily invested by retail investors, saying exchange-traded products and other unlisted managed investment schemes that are exposed to oil futures have seen significant price volatility in response to unprecedented negative oil futures prices. Some saw prices decline over 80%. It highlights that a risk for funds that have exposure to physically delivered commodities and there are many investors in the futures contracts have no intention of taking physical delivery of the oil. If you buy a futures contract in oil, then if you're stuck with it at the end, you get the oil. So I'm sure you're going to have a big swimming pool full of oil um, in your backyard. Um, he, the last bit on this page, um, page 10, talks about listed investment companies and listed investment trusts. Um, low interest rates for the search of yield have led to increased risk taking by investors in the fixed income space in recent time. Even before COVID-19 volatility, we saw an increase in trend of high yield issuances and retail investor interest in listed investment companies and listed investment trusts. The constituent underlying securities can fall outside the investment grade credit ratings and bear significant risk in periods of economic stress. We saw the price of some fall 50% during the focus period. Remember, the market fell 30-odd percent. This is 50 percent. Overall, we've also seen increasing proportion of listed investment companies and listed investment trusts trading at greater discounts to their net tangible assets. So they're trading under physically what they're actually worth. So that's an interesting statistic. Um, let's move on. There's 14 pages in this, and now I'm up to page 11. was just a graph, so I'll forget about that. Page 12 is yeah, it's about Australian Real Estate Investment Trust. Um, nothing much to talk about that. Here's the last one here, page 13, because page 14, um, actually, I'll do, it's all about CFDs, 13 and 14. 
large so section C because remember there was three sections of this and this one's about contracts for difference and market volatility it says large spike in CFD trading activity now contracts for difference are very highly leveraged and I'll talk about this as we go through but it says um, ASIC OTC delivered derivatives trade repository data indicates a significant increase in trading activity during COVID-19 so leverage and volatility magnify your risk. When you're leveraging, you're um, magnifying the amount of money you can make and also lose. Now, ASIC says, compared with unleveraged investment securities like shares and ETF, CFD leverage in magnifies investment exposure and sensitivity to market volatility. For example, on a $1,000 investment in shares, a 5% fall in share price results in a $50 loss. For a $1,000 investment in a CFD, the same investment over shares with a leverage ratio of 20 to 1, providing it provides you with a $20,000 exposure, the loss is $1,000 or all of your money. So if you put $1,000 into a CFD, a 5% fall you at 20 to 1 leveraging means you lose all your money in one hit. And you don't think that happens. I see it happen all the time by people because all you think about when you go into a position is you're going to make money. But most people we know, if you watch our show, we know most people don't know how to exit. And yet we do a 60-second survey on our website. And the majority of when the, what the majority of thing that people comment on what they need is they say, I know how to buy, but I don't know how to sell. If you don't know how to sell then you should never be anything anywhere near foreign exchange and CFDs because you will lose all your money. And that's why, as I said a bit earlier, um, on one of the earlier um, podcasts in this episodes, that the brokers know that anybody that has a CFD account or an FX account, that 90% of the money that gets put into that account becomes their revenue simply because people don't understand the leveraging. ASIC says, we commonly see CFD leverage ratio of up to 200 to 1. So the example they just quoted for $1,000 at 20 to 1, meaning you lose 100% of your amount. If a 5% move in the underlying or share falls, you lose 100% of your money. But they're saying that we commonly see CFD leverage ratio of up to 200 to 1. So that's 10 times that. So that would mean instead of losing $1,000 of your $1,000 capital, you'd lose $10,000. So you lose $9,000 more than you have. Now, whilst that's not going to happen because the CFD provider will close your position out pretty quickly, unless you keep putting money in, um, they'll get out of that because they won't be able to chase you for your money. Um, but they see this 20 to 200 to 1 leverage um, um, for securities indices and up to 500 to 1 for CFDs over currency pairs. So people doing CFDs on currency pairs, 500 to 1. So now you can understand the leveraging and how dangerous that is. A retail client with an initial investment of $1,000 is the example, may open a CFD position with exposure of 500 thousand dollars just by putting out one thousand dollars interesting so the australian us dollar fixed rate fell 5.2 percent in the time between 16th to the 20th of march the equivalent of 26 times the minimum minimum initial investment for a currency cfd with a 501 leverage a twenty-six thousand dollar fall so putting up $1,000, if you're in that and you suffered that 5% fall in the currency pair, you would have lost $26,000. That's how dangerous they are. 
Um, we have observed some CFD issuers reducing maximum leverage that they offer on CFDs during the period of significant volatility. Smart. It's very good. They don't want to chase you for money, but they just want to get your money, if that makes sense. Um, but um, just the last page, page 14, just to finish off, it goes on retail clients' losses during CFD during the 16th to the 22nd of March. Um, in that week, based on the sample of 12 Australian licensed CFD providers, retail client losses were just over, I hope you're sitting down for this, $428 million gross, or $234 million net. The 12 providers account for around 84% of market share, so the aggregate retail client losses across the industry for this single week may be higher. So it probably is higher. Um, it says CFD losses may exceed initial investment amount. In fast-moving markets, prices can gap, and we've seen that a lot, and losses can exceed your initial investment, and we've seen that. Uh, many retail client accounts went into negative balance during the week commencing March 16th. 5,448 retail clients' accounts of the 12 providers in the sample or 2% of their retail client accounts that traded during that week went into negative balance to the value of over $4 million in aggregate. That is, they lost their initial investment and owed a full of further $4 million to the CFT providers. And some of the providers absorbed the losses themselves. That's not always going to happen. You're responsible for it. Um, and you need to put up more money. Um, and overnight funding costs may erode your initial investment. That's the last bit they're talking about. So if you're holding a CFT position overnight, you might be uh, you'll be required to fund that position because it's theoretical borrowing um, and I won't go into that but very serious report and I don't think and whilst it's been in the newspapers it's been in the Sydney Morning Herald the Fin, fin Review it's journalists are actually making some comments on this and rightly so and so they should and say people should read those um, but you know not to be rude to journalists they're not traders um, and they're not necessarily financial experts on the marketplace. That's what we do here at Wealth Within. We're fund managers and we're expert mentors and teachers in trading the market. So what I wanted to do with this is really just highlight where the risks are and what you should be looking at. And, and I know so many people listen to this podcast and I lose count of how many actually do listen to this podcast. But you listen because you want to learn and you want to know and you know you... And some people say they just love what I do because normally I'm telling jokes and I'm a bit lighthearted. And through these series of these podcasts, I've been quite heavy handed and, and really pushed because I just wanted to really let you guys know, and ladies, how serious this stuff is. It is super, super serious. You don't know what you don't know. And that's what ASIC's telling you here in this retail investor trading during COVID-19 volatility report. If you haven't downloaded it, again, I'll say download it read it and when you read it read it that they're talking to you not anybody else they're talking to you if you're in the market they're talking to you because probability suggests they really are talking to you if you're trading cfds or foreign exchange right now the chances are and high probability they're talking to you so please take it on that and and, and as i said if you're not sure where the issues are in your investing and trading then look in the mirror when you're shaving or brushing your hair in the morning because um, chances are high probability you're the person uh, you're the issue there because it's no use blaming somebody else if you're not making money or if you've got losses or those sorts of things because you're responsible for that 
And I suggest you do take your time to learn properly because ignorance really is expensive and your education on the market will cost you one way or another. It's just your choice how you pay. You know, whether you pay in losses, whether you pay in lost time, whether you pay in lost opportunity. You know, there's this those three different ways. Each one of those, and I know so many people constantly uh, who do our courses say to us, uh, I've started looking at how much it actually cost me for my ignorance over the last three, four, five, ten years, however been I've been thinking I've been trading. And it can run into hundreds of thousands of dollars in lost time, lost profits, losses. And some people, some of those people have just sort of broken even. They've been, like, I've been breaking even or doing a little bit. I've been known okay. You know, they've been making a little bit of money. You know, they might have been making 8 9 10% per annum, you know, but then they realized... If they'd been doing it properly, they could have been doing double that or more than that. And then they realize how much money they left on the table or they didn't get because of the lack of knowledge and ability. And all I'm saying to you is that, you know, learn. If you really seriously are interested in the market and trading well, then why wouldn't you take it seriously? Why wouldn't you get the best education? Why wouldn't you learn it to do it right? to do it and do that the first time rather than waste years going down the wrong path and gambling with your money and taking high risk and volatility which is exactly what ASIC's telling you to do but um, if you need to talk you know where we are uh, you can get on our website wealthwithin.com.au um, you can watch our YouTube channel Wealth Within TV and listen to Janine and I watch Janine and I um, and if you've got questions send them through you know we're happy to do podcasts on them or bring them up on our YouTube channel Love to do that, but uh, you've been listening to Talking Wealth. I'm Dale Gillam, the Chief Analyst here at Wealth Within. Take care. Thanks for listening. This podcast is brought to you by Wealth Within, a global leader in stock market education. For more information on our courses or to listen to more Talking Wealth podcasts, head over to wealthwithin.com.au and click on the Talking Wealth podcast under the Learning Centre.